0: It's so great, guys, that we are now less than 10 days. We are in single digits away from real, meaningful football. But of course, if you don't know by the shirt or what this man's Twitter handle is, we're here to talk about the Patriots. Why? Because the world revolves around football, Sundays, and of course, the New England Patriots. So with that being said, McGarvin, how are you doing today, my friend?
1: I'm thrilled. I'm having a good day. How uh, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We had some... Before we talk about like what the official roster is, and also guys, Pat Lane will be here in a second. Look, there's this other prior commitments get in the way, you know. It's just it's the nature of things. Um, when it comes down to what happened today, I feel like there were some not surprising cuts, and there were some surprising cuts. So, more than the not surprising, because obviously, like we know some that weren't. Were there any that caught you off guard?
1: Outside of like the big ones, like, all right, um, let's or see. anything
0: that like came as a surprise to you, like someone you thought would make the
1: Okay, so not really. I think it was like, I don't know. It was pretty, I guess, chalk, right? So like, just going over, you know, who, you know, who the Patriots kept and who they didn't. Um, just had it in mind throughout the entire time. Like, all right, yeah, you know, these are the players that are most likely to make the roster. These are the ones that are not. You know, like like with roster projections, like most people do. Um, there were none that really blew my mind um, as far as who they cut. Um, I had a couple who I was surprised they kept, but not really the other way around. Um, I would say, obviously, uh, number four was the biggest surprise, just because I didn't think they'd actually do it, although I'm not in any way upset with it. Um, I know Ty Montgomery comes as a surprise for a number of people, especially because he sat out the preseason finale. Uh, I always kind of thought that he could go anyway, but my stance right now is that he'll be back later this week. Um, JJ Taylor was another one that people had like, oh, you know, he's definitely going to make it. And I'm like, eh, not really. I, I've kind of stopped buying into, um, the JJ Taylor hype every preseason. That guy looks like the second coming of Dion Lewis. And then, uh, the regular season comes and he's on the practice squad and never, never makes an elevation. But I, I, you know, yeah, I don't think any, um, I don't think they cut anyone that was like too, too surprising, obviously outside of, uh, Bailey Zappi.
0: Um, the one I'll say that was a bit surprising was Kevin Harris, but I feel like that's a practice squad move. I right? I just don't see where anyone else picks him up. Sure. I said yesterday in my AFC preview show, because like, everyone was asking, like, "Oh, hey, okay, why Zeke? He and I blatantly said, we know that, hey, they weren't confident in the other two rookies coming up for a more prominent role, like how we saw... Like I said, this, I'm like, Kevin Harris isn't ready yet. Pierre Strong, we obviously saw. Look, they brought, they took, they shipped him off to Cleveland yep. where he's going to play behind Nick Chubb. And I don't know who else is on their depth charter running back. Not the Browns podcast mainly.
1: <laughs> but
0: um, but so with that, I'm like, okay, that means one, like with shipping out Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris, like I said, probably it's going to be a practice squad move. Yeah. So now we know for sure, hey, it's going to be Ramondre and then Zeke. Ramondre is going to be your Swiss Army knife where he's going to get those long down, like those long yardage downs. And then he's going to be using the passing game. So where you can have the two RB sets where you have Zeke and pass pro and then Ramondre, you pull him out of the flat. So it's just moves that these, this, this roster seems like more than anything, like this seems like a very Bella roster and I'm not mad about that at all.
1: Yeah. It's it, to me, it, it seems like a roster that you would end up with if you have a bunch of injuries on your O line, which hello, here we are. They kept 11 offensive linemen. Um, they put one on IR in um, Connor McDermott. He went on IR, season-ending IR, so he won't yes. be back with the Patriots this year. Although, they, you know, they will probably eventually waive him with a injury de- designation at some point in the future, and he'll be able to play for someone else, just probably not the Patriots. Um, yeah, they. I mean, I think they were just put in a bind by just not having any offensive linemen. I think it's nice that Calvin Anderson returned to practice today, um, but I think that was a move that they were going to make regardless um, I don't know yeah. that he'll be ready to play against the Eagles in uh, in two weeks, um, but I don't know it. You you kind of had to keep all of those tackles because you you don't even know who's healthy enough to to participate, right? Um, and then as far as the guards go, um, you, you you keep your rookies. They didn't have a ton of depth there in the first place, so that's fine. It just seems like a roster that was kind of hamstrung by the lack of offensive line availability right i know a lot of people want to say it's a talent issue and these guys all suck and all that i just don't think they have any healthy guys um and so you got to keep the guys that you do have um kind of figure it out get a game plan ready and you know go out there and execute so that's what happened there but then i also think on 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 the other hand there are a number of moves that were made that you know constitute you know mild surprise or mild shock or whatever you want to call it that are the moves that you would make if you just really don't love the player anyway, right? Like so, you think of I think Bailey Zappy. I think we're going to keep coming back to him because he's the most surprising. Oh my gosh, they cut the backup quarterback and you know Z- Zappy Fever, Zappy Hour, and all that from last year. I think um, Bill said it best. I think it was twenty eleven. You don't cut a you don't waive a player that you're not willing to lose. So I think them, you Uh know, waving Bailey Zappi kind of signals that they want a better option at backup quarterback. Now, do I think Zappi is claimed? I mean, I think it's a possibility, but I don't know that he, you know, it's not a slam dunk in my opinion anyway. Um, So there's a chance he's back with the Patriots, you know, as early as tomorrow at noon, but uh, I think them waving them, them waving him kind of signals that like, we just kind of need a better player at that position. And I think that kind of goes along with, you know, uh running back and tight end where you know there was talk about whether or not you kept Sokol or Ferks or um I think both of those guys are replacement level you can you know wave them and if you you know get them back then great if not that's okay too we can find a better player same kind of thing with the running backs Kevin Harris was waived last year made it to the practice squad no problem and lived on the practice squad up until you know his elevation against Arizona um And I think it'll be the same thing this year. Same thing with J.J. Taylor. I know it was, you know, people had it as J.J. Taylor or, you know, Kevin Harris. And I remember I was telling a friend, like, fuck it, cut them both. Because, like, (laughs) they'll both go to the practice squad. It'll both, you won't lose either of them. And if you do, it's not the end of the world.
0: It's one of those things where it will work itself out eventually. And for Bailey's happy, who knows? He could be competing for another job. Hell, he could be competing for the starting quarterback in the desert, for all we know. Mm -hmm. Um, But with him, though, I have a feeling that because with Bailey, you and I have talked about this before. Not about him, but who he who represents him. And who represents him, M- M- another Nicole Lynn client. So, I feel like Nicole will be on the phones getting work for him. So, yeah. I wouldn't be expected to see him claimed by, you know, like a, not a bad team. Like I say, obviously, look, we all say Arizona's a joke because you have Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon. So, I feel like you could probably to know with Bailey Zappi about Clayton Toon. But with uh, a guy like him, I could see him being on like you know like we're a middling pack team where hey they need a backup quarterback and it's like worth an insurance policy shot. I can yeah, see that for, for sure. For, for for Bailey, for Bailey, yeah. Well, like I said, I think J.J. Taylor and Kevin Harris, those are both practice squad. Question I have for you is though: so after Bailey was released, everyone thought Malik Cunningham QB two, he's waived as well. Yeah. Do we think Malik is claimed or do we think he ends up on the practice squad? Because I think there's a more mm. likely chance that Malik is with the Patriots practice squad yeah. than Zappi. I can see Zap people are going to look at Zappi's small little bit of work, I think, and and someone's
1: going to take a chance on him. Yeah, I think um, draft status is going to play a factor in, in- – you know, Zappy's future in general. He's a fourth round pick. Someone someone out there is going to, you know, pound the table for him and and really convince their GM like, hey, this guy was a fourth round pick for a reason. Let's let's bring him in. Whereas Malik, I think he's an exciting player. Um, but I I wonder if we all got too caught up in the you know, the nine plays he played against the Texans where everyone's like, well, he's not going to make it through waivers. I think the next two weeks were instructive. He didn't get any reps at quarterback against the Packers game, although I'm sure he would have if the game had con- concluded as it was, you know, uh, scheduled to. Um, and then he got one drive against the Titans and, you know, didn't look any any kind of way. But I think more importantly, the fact that you have to give up a roster spot to claim a player, a 53-man roster spot to do that, Um just kind of makes me think that he will go unclaimed. A lot of players don't get claimed in the first place because teams would rather just kind of work with the guys they're working with as opposed to, you know, bringing in a completely new guy and, you know, acclimating him to your system or whatever. Um, I think there's a chance that Cunningham is claimed, but I, I think he's back. I think he's back, um, especially because the experiment to move him to wide receiver really didn't work. He had nine targets, caught one pass for negative one yards, didn't really show anything as a route runner, didn't really show anything as a kick returner. Um, I think if you're you're looking at Malik Cunningham. You're probably going to be looking at him at his quarter, as a quarterback, and I think for the Patriots that you know that would be on the practice squad.
0: See, that's where I look at it from. Where it's like, like you're saying, with the Green Bay game, like the Detroit game. I like I just like to mention that because I find it funny that the guy who I start my first ever Pats game start is in five years going to be on Twitter as that name that random name of random Patriot. And everyone's going to be like Bailey Zappi. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like it's just one of those like memory bank things that like we can keep for good time. But like even yeah. more than that game, I look at the Cleveland game as someone taking a chance on him because he went out there and really proved himself. And you and I have talked about this a million times. The Chicago Bears game where everyone was chanting "We want Zappy" is yeah. that game to me is still an anomaly because we all know Mac wasn't one hundred percent. I was very yep. against Mac playing in that game. And you and I have talked about this. That was just a bad game overall. So yep. This is a team where, hey, the pieces are in place. I don't expect them to be done. I joking – you and I both had QB suggestions. You said Jacoby Brissett. I said yep. Colt McCoy because, look, Arizona's the punching bag of the NFL and they're doing it to themselves. Um, but is there any other realistic options do you think that they – do you think it would be a trade or do you think it will be a, a, <sighs> a waivers kind of guy that they can go out and get? Like what do you think is more realistic than just the overall going for a new quarterback?
1: I think, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think the uh, the plan is going to have to be be a trade. I just don't really see anything, um, anyone who's you know a free agent now or on the waiver wire who substantially improves your quarterback room, right? I, I think you need a player who you don't have to dumb the offense down to play, right? As they did with Zappi last year, which we talked about, they really dumbed down the offense. And, you know, we saw that once he was in a more complicated offense, he really struggled to – you know, adapt to the mental part of the game. I think realistically for Mac in his third year, you want someone who is more plug and play uh, a more veteran option. I just don't really know who that veteran option is. Uh, It's not like there aren't a ton of great backup quarterbacks out there. I saw Carson once listed. um, And if he is the one I will cry because I think he is awful. Um, But yeah, I I just, I, I'm unsure. I I don't know where you go. That's why I, I kind of posited, um, Jacoby Brissett, I, you know, I think obviously he has some familiarity with the team. He hasn't played in Br- Bill O'Brien's system, but, you know, he's played in Josh McDaniel's system, and they're similar enough. Um, yeah. I think that would be a lot of fun, but I, I, re- I legitimately don't know. All I know is that prior to the cut, uh, last night I was in a, in a Twitter space, um, and we were talking about, like, you know, positions that worry us, and obviously we spent a good chunk of time on the O-line. And yeah. I kind of mentioned, like, hey, how does everyone feel about backup QB? Because – you know, if Zappy wasn't the only competent, uh, only other competent passer on the roster, he wouldn't have a job because he had a bad summer. He had a bad summer. He played poorly in the preseason, but it was just a matter of like it's him, Trace McSorley, and Malik Cunningham. Who are you of those three? Who are you trusting to back up your quarterback? It Has to be Zappy. So the fact that they moved him now, I'm like, well, I'm unsure who who you go to at this point. Um, I just know that it needs to be someone who you can plug and play.
0: That's exactly it. It's someone that you can look at on your roster that you have confidence that if Mac were to go down again, you have confidence that they can go in, they can plug and play. Now, obviously look with Bailey doing that, like two of his games were the two games. He legitimately started was Detroit and Cleveland, two teams that like, look, obviously Detroit had a great end of the season, but that Detroit game, Twenty nine, nothing, plus two, over six on fourth down. That was a game too where I'll self admit it. First grade, it was to be there. I know I keep doing that to myself, but hey, you always mm-hmm. remember you first. Um, they shot themselves in the foot multiple times in that football game, and then Cleveland last year was just the hot mess that we've come to know yep. with the Cleveland Browns. So yep. I feel like you have to take a, those with a little bit of merit. And then, like we said, he came in in the, the Chicago game, got a couple touchdowns, but like we said earlier, like I said literally, like I think five minutes ago. That was a bad team effort overall. There's like no, there's no finger pointing there. Obviously, there was the Jaquan Brisker interception, I think Mac kicking him in the balls, but that's that's just old news. So we'll see what happens. But ultimately, I say this for the same reason why I still have faith in this team, because this roster on paper is better than what we experienced three years ago during a global pandemic. So as long as they have competent coaching with a decent roster, this team, I still think has a chance to compete and they're giving us the one thing that I ask for this year. And is that every Sunday they have a chance to win
1: for sure. And that's, that's all that really matters. I don't, like I said, I don't think this team is going to be like, you know, they're going to come out as gangbusters and and really going to shock the world. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be about nine, nine or 10 win team and they'll play competent football, but that's legitimately like all I need. Right. Like I, I, it's weird because like everyone's like, oh, the Patriots are going to be mediocre, and I'm like, well, mediocre would be an upgrade over what we had last year. So bring it on. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, that's that's just that's all that I'm hoping for with the, with this team.
0: Yeah, exactly. That that's exactly what we can hope for. Like, steal a couple games that you're in that you let slip away from you. Vegas obviously is one we're not going to go down the rabbit hole. You and I examined that game enough. Um, but when we want to come and flip on the positive side of players. Who have made the roster? I'm actually oh, going to sure. pull it up right now because look, they put up a pretty cool graphic earlier today. I just got. I like that name.
1: graphic. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um. Yes, yeah, so I have to. Sorry, my MacBook is being silly as I kill and fill time. Oh, hey, I'm going to go over to Twitter instead of watching us stream. So you see here, guys, this is the 53 man roster. Calvin Anderson. I'm not even going to read all the names. Uh, yes. Uh, allow. My biggest takeaway from this is if they they highlighted, well, I think that's a surprising offense, defense and special teams, but at the same time too, I feel like it says something because there's a couple of key factors in, whoops, that is us. Unless you want to see double of Griffin McGarvin on YouTube, be my <laughs> guest. Um, so when you look at this roster here, the not a surprise, but I like the fact, I'm not even going to say it. Like I'm, I'm just losing my train of thought here. I'm going to ask you this question straight up. What do you think about the, younger youth movement on the special teams front.
1: I'm excited by it. I, I Obviously, you know, you have uh, Boomin Bryce Berenger, the uh, the punter. They took him the sixth round. He, he has a monster leg. So I'm excited by that, um, mostly because I was so sick to death of watching Michael Polardi hit, like, 30-yard knucklers, and I'm like, what is happening here? Like, that—that that is holy cow. So having a punter who can flip the field again, hopefully he's not out there too much, but having someone who can do mm-hmm. it in a pinch – is amazing. Um, I think Chad Ryland, I think you kind of had to go with him. I think he had the better leg. um, And it was like apparent if you ever watched, you know, watched them practice. Like, I think Nick was more, Nick Folk was more consistent snap to snap. He's a Titan now, by the way. Um, He was more (laughs) consistent, like kick to kick, but I think overall you want to go with the bigger leg because there were games uh, and situations last year where the Patriots punted because Folk just didn't have the leg to get the ball to where it needed to go. Um, and that was obviously disappointing. So I'm excited about that. But more importantly, I think they they've shored up their coverage units, right? You have Amir Speed, the, uh, you know, rookie, I think it's sixth rounder um, DB out of Georgia slash Michigan State. Um, and then you also have Chris Board, who's listed as a special teamer. He's a uh, He's someone who can provide a little more on defense, anyway. And then obviously you have Matthew Slater, That's a
0: Belichick player. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. That's a Belichick player for
1: sure. And I'm 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 pumped about that. I just think they um, needed uh, better special teams players. I know everyone's so tired. Oh, special teams, special teams, but uh, everyone hates special teams until you're you know giving up two touchdowns to the to the Bills and losing you know <laughs> losing a game by twelve. <laughs> After giving up two, you know, kick return touchdowns, so obviously, um, I'm I'm looking forward to, to seeing how that works. But I think even outside of the core special teamers, cause I think I, b- I believe the Patriots only have what seven listed, and that's that seems like a high number. But obviously, you have you know two kickers and a and a long snapper, long snapper. But I think also um, it's going to be an improved unit by the fact that they have position players who will play on special teams who are just better at it. Right, you have, you think of someone like Marte Mapu, who's a super smooth at, athlete. We got to see him in the Titans game, that was really fun. Um, he's probably going to play a lot on special teams. That is a better option than bringing out the corpse of you know, of of whoever they had for running back there last year. Obviously, you had um, what's his name, Raquan McMillan was back there, and I like Raquan McMillan, but he doesn't have the same movement skills as Marte Mapu, so that'll be nice to see nope. him in that role and things of that sort. You have better players there who can also contribute at their positions. And that's what I'm excited about.
0: Uh, and another special teamer I really like as well as Mack Wilson, who obviously yeah. had the big hit last year on the Jack Jones return. So I'm not, uh, yeah, Jack, uh, no, Marcus. The Jones Marcus Jones, Jones
1: touchdown. Team. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: yes. I got my Joneses mixed up as remembering the one who brought a gun to Logan, as opposed <laughs> to the guy who can <laughs> be a gadget player for you. Yeah. Um, so I gotta take the shots when you can. Um, one other player I really like that made this roster that proved himself. Obviously, Pop Douglas is a p- obvious choice, but I got to go with the guy. We we went down this rabbit hole a few times. We don't have to go down again. We can just say it's the tr- it's our friend that was on the train, Mr. Keyshawn Butte or Butte, however you want to pronounce it. Well, he says obviously, Booty, which I think P3.
1: is absolutely insane. But
0: nah, I'm not going that route. I'll call him the Boy, you played at LSU in Cajun country. I'm calling you Butte or Butte, one of the two. Yeah. we'll go Butte. It sounds more French. Sure. Oh, the little a little Cajun knock on it. Um, do you see him being a not? I don't really want to say like a solid piece. It's just more of a, on the level of contributions that he can be. Like, will he? Not obviously not top contributor, but do you feel like he'll get his chances to shine, or do you think he'll mainly probably have to earn it slash be a special teamer for most of the year?
1: I think I think he'll have um more opportunities than I initially thought um, if only because I am not sure that Taekwon Thornton is on the active roster in a couple of days. I think he'll probably end up on IR if his injury is, you know, anything substantial. And the fact that we haven't seen him um, since, you know, going down in green Bay uh, seems to kind of indicate that it's relatively serious. So I, th- I think he'll have the opportunity um, and I think he'll make the most of it. I, I really like what he, uh, what he, what he brings, Um, especially over the middle of the field. And you don't really don't think that often because he's not necessarily a slot receiver, but he can play and catch balls over the middle and obviously make something happen. I think he's really good um, after the catch. He was always been really good after the catch, even when he was at LSU. So I'm, I think he will have a role um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what his role will be. I think obviously DeMario Douglas is going to have a bigger role. Um, I think he, he's someone who will play a lot of snaps early. Um, I think, you know, Boutte will have, his opportunities and he'll make the most of it for sure.
0: So obviously I think we talked about before. We mainly, uh, let's, I'm trying to remember if I remember this right with the receivers, because that's the, uh, we'll talk about Kendrick Bourne in a minute. That's from the moment you and I have started speaking about a year and a half ago for many conversations. Kendrick Bourne's been a guy that we've always talked about, obviously now in the House. but before we go and we go down different routes, two is a good company, but three is an even better company because joining us now the one and only Pat Lane. Pat, how are you doing tonight? Joining McGarvin and I for some Patriots fifty-three man roster talk.
2: Yes, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Sorry, I'm a little bit late here, but uh, late to the party. Looks like you guys are already having fun, though. I brought some. I brought some uh, some goodies with me, though. So. I mean I didn't actually Ooh, but okay. if I but if I was <laughs> it's just my takes that's all it is you know what I mean hey,
0: good, goodies are takes that's all that, that that's there you go. we're Say. here for not only the good takes but the goodies that are takes which I think I just found the podcast title through that. so thank you very much for that um so the main things we covered so far but I am going to circle back to it for a second we were talking about the whole quarterback situation and since you're here now what's your take on it for the, like more or less the backup quarterback situation that is non-existent at the
2: moment yeah i mean it, i don't think it matters let <laughs> me be completely honest i mean you know it's like it's one of those things for me that i just think when you look at who they had there you saw what zappy had and, and clearly you saw a different guy last year and maybe it was you know guys were open or whatever the case may be but I looked at it and just I feel like, hey, the Patriots are in an okay situation at quarterback with Mac Jones. If Mac Jones goes down, I had zero confidence in Zappi being good at this point from what I had seen at least in this offense. And so whoever that guy might be, fill in the blank, whether it's Colt McCoy, whether it's Zappi again if he gets through waivers, whether it's Malik Cunningham, whether it's, you know, Carson Wentz, whoever it might be. Right. I look at that guy and I think, yeah, I mean, okay, fine. He's the backup quarterback. Like, but it's not going to be a situation where Mac goes down. And I'm like, Oh no, no, we're good. Cause we get this guy behind him. That's just, that's not the situation. And I don't think that's the situation with any of these guys. And maybe get zapped, Maybe Zappy gets scooped up by someone. I don't know, but I just look at him and I think, okay, yeah, maybe he's good enough to be a backup on some team, but, he doesn't light the world on fire, and so we needed a bunch of other positions and ultimately looked at it and said, well, you know, and, and I think the running backs is the same situation. where you look at it and just say, like, you know, and tight end for that matter. Yeah, we need guys. We can't possibly go into a game with two running backs or with one quarterback for that matter. But, like, there are other guys that we need to get on the initial 53-man roster. Maybe we're going to put a few of them on IR but we had to get them through that initial 53 and we're not heartbroken if we lose any of those guys, because ultimately they're just, they're not difference makers on a real NFL team.
1: Yeah. Even more, th- more than, more than being they, was That was really well put even <laughs> more so than not being difference makers. Um, they weren't even like, I, I mean, legitimately. And I, and I, and I really do feel this and I know it's going to sound like I'm going to sound like a, a zappy hater. And I always do. Cause I was never in on that guy in the first place not only were they not difference makers, they were players who I thought would like actively (laughs) damage the offense by playing. Right. Like I think of someone like JJ Taylor, and I know people love JJ Taylor, but like, he just doesn't do enough to where I'm like, yes, he needs to be on the roster. Yes. We got to, you know, have, he has to have a roster spot. Same thing with Bailey Zappi, where I like if if Bailey Zappi is playing, they're kind of in trouble, especially behind that offensive line. I know, uh, we spent a lot of time over the over the course of training camp just bemoaning the the terrible offensive line. And then when the preseason came, everyone's like, look at this terrible line. How can anyone play behind this? I, I really don't think Zappy did that line any favors, just holding on to the ball, especially in that Green Bay mm-hmm. game. I there were a couple plays he had. He had Kayshawn Booty and taekwon Thornton open on double uh double verts on play action, and both of them came wide open and he hesitated on the throw to Taekwon, is who he looked to first, and he hesitated on the throw, turned, and then got sacked. And it's like Okay, like, maybe he's just a little nervous. And then it continued to happen. We saw he put the ball on the ground three times against the Titans. And yeah. they, it's not like they have a, a formidable pass rush. It was just absurd.
2: Yeah, that's bad. You can't fumble three times in one game. You just can't do it.
1: No, I feel like, too, with this
0: whole Zappy situation, like, we were talking about this before you came on, but obviously his games – Look, obviously, I like to point out the one game I was at, the Detroit game, which I still feel like is an anomaly. Like, them going over six on fourth down. And, like, they, like Detroit had a lot of self-inflicted wounds in that game. And then Cleveland, like, we know what Cleveland was. But the big anomaly with him still is that Bears game where there was a zappy chance at Gillette Stadium. You were there, so you would know more than us. But – I still say this, and I will always defend the state, that that Bears game was just a bad team effort overall. Like, offense, nothing was clicking. Special teams, nothing was going. Especially defense, because I'm sorry, when you're getting cooked by Dante Pettison, and of St. Brown, you're not having a good night at your office. So, that's where this comes into play, where I said last year with the draft process, that he drafted Zappi because they knew Siddham was going to be on his way out. Now, with Zappi, he was capable at the time. But what we've seen from this summer, preseason, through camp, it just... There's not that faith anymore. So if he ends up back on the practice squad, it is what it is. But I just can't see a world where he is your number two going forward.
2: Right. Or he's, you know, or he's, you know, your your backup, but he's not really your backup. He's your number two, but he's not like – it's not because you have faith in him. It's just because you need a guy to be your second back.
1: Yeah, right? I, I, I mentioned that before you, you, you came on where I didn't think they would cut him, even though I, I thought he was really, really bad this summer. Um, I didn't think they'd cut him just simply because they didn't have anyone else. And there aren't, right. you know, it's not like a, a a wide array of quarterbacks out there. You can just go and pick one up and, you know, drop into your offense. But, I mean, he he was not very good. So, I, I understand if they – I would have understood if they, could, if they kept him. Um. But I think it's a little encouraging in a way if, you know, the Patriots have these guys who aren't going to contribute to the team and instead of holding on to them as they have in the past, just kind of moving on like, all right, well, he's not going to get it done. He just needs to not be on the team. I know like, like, like I mentioned earlier with um, some of the tight ends, people were, you know, like, well, you know, they got to keep so cool. They're going to play, you know, a lot of 12 and I, and I do agree that they will play a lot of 12 personnel, but you know, if, if Sokol's not going to, you know, not going to be a difference maker for you on the field, then he just right. needs to not be on the field. Like if, it, if he is just a body, go get a better body.
2: Correct. And, yep. and it's also the 53 man roster, right? It's the initial 53 man roster. Yep. Yep. You got to get guys through to get him on an IR. Nobody's picking up Matt Sokol, but nobody's doing that. Right. Yeah. So you can get him onto your practice squad and you can elevate him for games, right? Like he doesn't even have to take up a roster spot. He's just on your practice squad. Right. So, you know, it, it's not. We're not worried about any of those guys going off and being stars somewhere else, right? And I think, you know, get that Bears game. By the way, that take is age like fine wine by me, where I just called out everyone that was chanting Zappy's name. I just, I can't. I just it drove me insane. And I will. I blame. I put the the blame for that squarely on Bill Belichick. I don't blame Belichick for much, but. That was one of the worst decisions he's had in a long time to start Mac Jones in that game on a Monday night in prime time coming off of an injury. We could clearly see he wasn't fully healthy. And he goes into that game and plays like garbage and you pull him. Like, I, I couldn't believe that they did that, right? And so I thought from the beginning, you should have started Zappy from the beginning in that game. If you start Zappy from the beginning and he plays the way you play, Everyone wakes up on Tuesday morning saying, wow, we got our teeth kicked in by the bears and Billy Zappi stinks, which is what everyone should have been saying on Tuesday morning. But instead everyone's talking about Mac Jones. Cause you started Mac when he wasn't ready on Monday night football, which was dumb. And then, and then you put in Zappi and he was terrible and it was like, well, now you're stuck with Mac and you know, you can't go back to Zappi even if you wanted to. Right. So that was the hard part for me where I looked at it and said, man, you really, really screwed that one up.
0: 100%. That's just the thing because it goes from the simple conversations of everyone going, hey, do we have a QB battle in Foxborough? You have obviously all the talking heads and your guys' neck of the woods basically going on their rants. Shout out. I'm not even giving a shout out, but we know who we're talking about. His name's of the <laughs> Um But you're basically giving those people ammunition that you shouldn't be by doing that. You open that version of Pandora's box and from then on, that's why this whole came this whole quarterback competition. That's what became of this whole, oh, backs off the guy, yada, yada, yada. Like, I want to transition this into Mac because it is a quarterback. Obviously, quarterback's a huge position. But I was saying this to myself today where I'm like, in order for Mac, I'm not even looking at him for this offseason to get a contract extension. Just, I think he has to play well enough to get his fifth year, and then we'll worry about extending him. Mm-hmm. That's a 2025 problem. That's not a 2024 problem. And then as for play on the field, look, obviously they're not going to be throwing screens and where I want to shoot myself or pull my hair out after every screen pass on first, second, and third down. I see a world with him where, look, you let him loose. We get 2021 Mac or even a version of it. My only thing is for him just to, just stop with the turn, just to turn the turnovers down, go, From like, I don't even remember how many he had last year, but if he can keep it between he
1: had eleven interceptions last year.
0: If he can keep that number in single digits, I think we're rocking and rolling. I think that's being a real little real unrealistic, but like if he can realistically be eight to nine, even like go down by two or three, I think it's viewed as a good season by him. Obviously you want to look at stuff like yards and touchdowns. I look at more of the interceptions on his part into what could be a successful season for him going forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, agree. I think, um, the interception, you know, the interception total should have been, um, much lower. Um, we had obviously the the slate of games in the beginning of the year where he would just like panic, throw the ball up to Devontae Parker. I think that's also a function of the, yes, the Baltimore game. He also did it in Miami and I believe he did it against Pittsburgh. It was insane. It was like, stop, just stop doing that. Um, yeah. but it, uh, I think that's also a function of the, uh, of the offense he was in. Right. Um, if your offense doesn't have any built-in answers, he's going to try to find an answer. And that generally includes panicking. And I, I think Mac's always kind of been that kind of guy anyway, where if things don't look right and he doesn't have an outlet, he will just throw that motherfucker up. Just, here we go. Like, whoever's down there, good luck. And he'll just, like, put it up. And, and we saw that, that early last year. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that one worked out. Um, yeah. But that's just a function of, like, y'all saw it. y'all. We all saw it, you know, like, Every third down, it was four verticals with, you know, the, with Mondre leaking out from underneath. And it was like, all right, cool. But if that is the only play and, the you know, and Mondray has to stay in the block or whatever the case is, he's going to have to just throw that, just throw the ball up. I think Bill O'Brien getting him more answers, more predetermined, like, all right, cool. If this isn't here, here's where we should go. And being able to voice that and, you know, explain that to him. And, that, and I think that's something that uh, Max said uh in a piece by Albert Breer, I think it was like two weeks ago, maybe actually uh, only a week and a half ago, but he basically, you know, praised Bill O'Brien as he has been doing since he got here. It was just like, essentially like, hey, you know, he's really great because he uh, he has answers <laughs> and he can tell us what to do. <laughs> like, that is a damning quote. Like, it, and, yeah. and you know how Mac is, like, you know, the way he talks, he, he's kind of a goofy guy. And so it, it comes off as innocuous, but I'm like, that is a calculated sentence because the implication there is that the guy that you were with before, didn't have the answers, or couldn't give you the answers.
2: 100%.
1: And so I think having that will help turn down the the turnovers because it's not, you know, hey, we got to throw it up to Devontae Parker 15 yards down the field on every third down because there's literally nothing else we're doing.
2: Right. And I think part of the interception numbers, I don't think 11 interceptions is a terrible season, but I think when you look at the rest of his statistics compared to the 11 interceptions, that's
1: 14 touchdowns is terrible. 14 touchdowns and 11 touchdowns is atrocious.
2: Right. And so that's one of those ones where you look at it and say, if he's throwing 35 touchdowns and 11 interceptions, we can live with that. That's okay. Right. Because we have the production coming from the offense, you know, from the passing game. If he's not throwing enough touchdowns, he's got to really limit the interceptions because you're winning games by not losing the game for the team. Right. Mm -hmm. You're out there throwing 14 touchdowns and 11 interceptions you're actively losing the game for the team, not winning the game for the team. Right. And so that those are the things where we got to clean that up. And again, I'm so obviously I want him to limit the turnovers, but I'm not quite as worried about the interceptions. I wanna see those touchdown numbers go way up, right? I wanna see him in the in the mid 20s and pushing 30 for touchdowns because he can do that and he should be doing that. Right. And so, you know, it's one of those things we had that conversation. Last year about Matty P and well you know he's a defensive guy and defensive guys have to go against offenses and so on and so forth and this and that and that's true that he should know how to run an offense but the difference is you don't know all of the intricacies yep you have an idea hey I can attack this defense with this offense great but the problem is, is that when when now. The first read isn't there. Now I got to go to the second read. And then the second read reason they're not going to the third read. Well, what are those guys doing? I don't know. I, I mean, I do. We just ran the play. Verticals. You know what I mean? And so, right. So it's like, and so if you think that that specific play is going to work, now you don't have a backup. Now you don't have anything else to run. Right. And so there's no answer where it's like, Hey, okay. When this happens and that breaks down because it's going to do this instead. If you're a defensive coach, you don't know that because you haven't been an offensive coordinator before. Bill O'Brien knows those things and is able to give Mac those answers. And now Mac is able to confidently go into the game, knowing, okay, we're gonna run this play. If that breaks down, I can go to here. And if this one breaks down, I can go to there. And if that one breaks down, I can go to there. I mean, listen, they were talking about last year, you know, they they'd install something all week long, and then on Friday be like, nah, it's not gonna work and just scrap it. And it's like, you can't do that. That's crazy. And you're running, you know, so it's like that's the type of stuff where that it was dysfunction of the highest order, right? And now we're getting away from that. And so, of course, we hope that everything will improve because of that. And and you have to feel pretty confident that it will.
0: But that's just the thing, though, where now we know that there's – that improves self-confidence. Because instead of playing fuck around and find out on every third down when you're just – like McGarvin was saying earlier, where you're just hawking in the air saying, oh, someone's going to catch it, but then, yeah, it's the other <laughs> right. team. Because, like, we know, there was the – Miami, I remember that game just because there was the one interception that I don't purposely put on him. I'm trying to remember who was – I think it may have been Devontae Parker. whose fault it, it was, yeah. yeah.
1: In the, the one in the end zone, yeah. Yeah,
0: that was Parker. Because everyone, like, looking really good on that drive, and then that interception, like, changed everything. Then, obviously, he was sacked by, I think, Melvin Gordon, and then there was the fumble recovery, but that's neither here nor there. I just want to see a Mac that's confident in his play. And like, even going back to 21, I know some people who point the one Buffalo weather game out as, Oh, he's a bad quarterback. It's like, Oh, they went, he went, that game went only for three passes where I literally want to point out. Jimmy Garoppolo went six for eight in an NFC championship game and they won on the ground, but that was more, I think that's more of a stat of quarterback trust issues than the one in Buffalo. The one in Buffalo is just Bill being like, Hey, the weather sucks tonight. We're not going to take a chance throwing the ball against a great team like Buffalo. And we're in, when they were nipping on their heels at that moment. I don't think people remember that because obviously right. the Patriots got cooked in the wild card round. But that was a game where they had to go in there and win. And they, they look, it was unorthodox, but they won it. So this year with Mac, going back to this year, I look at like the one big thing, Pat, I'm saying about Mac and the Patriots this year is they got to steal a couple of games. Because, look, their schedule out the hop, it's not easy. Like, I look at a game like – I, I want to say the Jets game, but I don't just because, look, we, we obviously know. Last time they beat the Jets, I was 22, and I'm turning 30 in about three months. Uh, so I'm going to say that right now. But with the, I look at games like the Dallas Cowboy game or even the Buffalo game on New Year's Eve. Or, hell, the Miami game at the end of October. Go into one of those buildings and win one of those games, kind of like last year. How look, they had Buffalo on the ropes until Nick full kicked the field goal and Hines ran it back. They had—I know you were there—the Green Bay game where I th- I feel like they basically just gave up and said, "Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll give, we'll take the L." And then the Minnesota Thanksgiving game where, look, all the swearing I could do, it Alex Kemp put aside. Um, they ended up losing that game because of little mistakes. So I want to see them go into buildings and win a game especially too because one of those games is in a prime 425 slot so i'm just yeah. here to say you got to make the most of your opportunities that are given to you
2: 100% and and you're right like right now do people think the patriots are going to go 11 and 6 no but i think they're capable of doing that but in order to do that you have to win some games that people don't necessarily think you're going to win right i think they're going to split with miami I think that they have a chance to go two and oh against the jets. they may not, but they have a chance to go two and 0 against the jets, and that's what takes you from nine and seven nine and eight or ten and seven to eleven and six right to ten and seven and eleven and six, and I think that that's those are one of the, are some of those things, right? And the schedule was hard. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the schedule is not hard, but you should wipe the floor with the commanders like you should crush that team. You should beat that team thoroughly, right. The Giants are a pretty good team. You should beat that. It's a 50-50 game. You yeah. should win that game.
0: After the the Cowboys
2: too. are a pretty good team. That's a toss-up game. You need to win that. So if you're trying to find those wins, the Cowboys game is one that I have circled on my on my calendar where it's like that's a game where, yeah, the Cowboys are going to be favored, and people love the Cowboys and think they're this great team. and this and that. You got Mike McCarthy over there on the sideline. They're not as good as people think that they are. That's a game that you can win. And if you win games like that, that's where you get the, you you know, you you get those wins from and that gets you into the playoffs. Right. And so those are those games for me where I kind of look at it and and sit there and, you know, you talk about last year, you didn't even mention the Vegas game or the Cincinnati game where they had that game one, that game was over. They were winning that game. They were in the red zone and Damien and, uh, Mondre, right? It was Mondre, right? Yeah, fumbles. fumbled, yep. Right? And, and so you're just like, man, like, they, they had it, just like they did the year before against Miami opening game and Damian Harris fumbles, right? And so it's like, those are the things where you look at it and just think, like, they were so close. They were a very flawed team last year, and they were a few bad mistakes away from being a double-digit win team. And ultimately, you look at that and say, if they can – do a little bit more this year, now you can now you can easily see that double digit team. And again, you gotta win some of those games that they're not expecting them to, but I think they're capable of doing that.
1: I agree. I My think, whole thing too, going McGark. I think there's a, a five game stretch down there uh, from the end of October straight through the uh through the middle of December that I think like it actually it might even be a six game stretch that I think they can really like you know, get fat on as, mm-hmm. as the phrase has been said, right? You, you start with Miami, Washington, Indianapolis, New York, Los Angeles, and then Pittsburgh. I think you can, they can weather that. They can, all of those games are winnable games, um, in my opinion. Obviously, at this point, things obviously will change in the next month or so, but, you know, those are the, you know, those are the games that, you quote-unquote should win. Obviously, you have the Chargers in there, and everyone's going to have them as like, oh, they that's not a game they're going to win because Justin Herbert's so great, and the Chargers are a good team or whatever the case is. Um, and I just don't necessarily think that's the case. Obviously, Justin Herbert is great, but I don't think they're a great team, so I think that's a winnable game. Pittsburgh, same kind of thing. Um, obviously, it gets tough at Kansas City, but then you close out with Denver, Buffalo, New York. You can win two of those three games. I, I Like I, I've been saying from the start of this year uh, that this is probably going to be a 9-8, and eight win team you can talk me in a 10 they will they will have to steal a couple of games and those are the kind of games i'm looking at the denver game the los angeles game uh the dallas game like pat mentioned i think that's another good one where like everyone kind of like oh yeah no dallas is the better team and i just i think football is too um there's too much variance in football for everyone to just kind of like mark it off like well this team is better so they're going to win the better team doesn't always win um the better team that day does so Right. Yeah,
0: that's exactly. that's where the term any given Sunday comes in. The thing I was going to say is, I think they have to go, I think if they want to go 10 wins, I think you have to be 2-2 two and two going into that Saints Week 5 game. And even going to the Colts, I want to say something. I want to see that, I want to see more of that, like if you guys remember the Colts game from last year, I want to see that team. I see that game or the Cleveland game were still their two best games of the year where mistake-free football basically was playing four corners and all four sides of the ball were clicking. Now, obviously, look, you're playing Sam Ellinger, so it's not right. really fair. But at the same time, too, they bullied him for 60 minutes. They literally just kept throwing him to the ground, ragdolling him. Uh, I've been saying this about the Pittsburgh game for a while that um, – that game feels like a playoff eliminator game. That Thursday night primetime game, loser of that game. It's either not you're either gonna be not eliminated from contention, but it's gonna feel like
1: yeah. feel like it like you know when yeah. a college
0: team goes from one loss to two losses, it's just mm-hmm. yep, yeah, their playoff hopes are getting snatched from them. It's the same sort of logic. Um, I didn't mention Vegas. Or Cincinnati, just because I tried to block out the Cincinnati loss and <laughs> celebrate Christmas. That's that's what I was trying to do. Yep. But and then obviously I wa- i don't know if I ever told you this, but I watched the Vegas game at a family Christmas party. So basically, there's everyone being like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry," and then there's me inside having a mental breakdown. So that's how. Yeah, that's how football goes. Um, I also. Miami week two, I penciled in as a win, and people were like, "Oh, why are you doing that?" And I'm like, "Because we're wearing the throwbacks. I know it's a dumb way to look <laughs> at things, but those jerseys on Sunday night football. I'm sorry, that's it seems that seems like a win. Um, one game, I'm border, I'm borderline tempted. I I really like them on the spread, but I wouldn't be shocked to see them win just because week one's goofy. What if they win week one? I know it's a very far cry considering who they're playing." And the, everyone's because I feel like everyone and their mother is going to say, Oh, no, no, no Patriots are going to get their ass kicked. They're going to get cooked. But then I think that game is going to be a dogfight. Honestly,
1: I agree. I see
0: a world mm-hmm. where it's, where it's a close game. Like even if new England loses by like a field goal or it's a game, like for example, the Buccaneers game for when Brady came back, that's the big reason too why I'm kind of tempted to say like, Hey, what if they win that? Because a little TV 12 magic in the house. I think yep. it's just, it's me being crazy, but like, If they go one and oh and win that game, they are going to cast a lot of attention on on themselves that next Monday morning. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that game is more winnable than most people do. I think Philly does win, but I think it's, um, I don't think it's going to be some grisly blowout or anything. I just think it's going to be pretty close. Um, And that's just because Philly has been my NFC team since 2009, 2008. Um, and so I follow a lot of Philly, you know, you know a lot of Eagles football. Uh, and last year, I know they made it to the Super Bowl, but they weren't like some kind of like dominant. We're just gonna blow everyone out, except when they played the Giants. Uh, they're not like, a team that's like, hey, we're gonna go out there, we're gonna kick some someone's ass for sixty minutes. It's gonna be great. They play a lot, uh, a lot closer. Um, and I think the coaching uh the coaching advantage is definitely in foxborough so i think it'll be a little closer than everyone kind of expects because i think whenever a team ends up in the super bowl everyone's like oh yeah they had a great year they were like dominant the whole time and that's not what philly was um and i don't think people are going to remember that because they played in the super bowl so obviously you see a super bowl you know a super bowl participant from the previous year points immediately gonna be like oh yeah there's an ass kicking waiting to happen i i I just say pump the brakes and we'll just kind of see how it goes
2: yeah, it, it's gonna be interesting too because this is what they built their defense for, right? Mm-hmm. They have all these fast guys out there that are playing to stop a team like Philadelphia. And so you're gonna get to kind of see that experiment play out in week one. And so I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, I, I don't I don't know what type of impact Marte Mapu and, and guys like that are gonna have, but I think there's a chance that those guys come through and all of a sudden we're looking at a close game and, you know, and the Patriots have a chance to to go up 1-0. That'd be wild. And especially on Tom Brady
1: night, like that would be – That would be awesome. a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. Um, like even last year
0: too, Philly uh, barely beat Detroit last year 38-35. to And uh, even – I'm just thinking right now, the Super Bowl participant from 2021, Cincinnati, I'm pretty sure – did they lose to Pittsburgh they in did. week one last year? Yeah.
1: They sure did. Yep. So
0: Pittsburgh kind of came out because that's the thing. Week one, there's always goofy results. There's like a goofy team that wins that like no one sees coming. That's just it's just something I wanted to throw out into the universe and the football gods. in. I can't even, I can't believe I was saying that. Twelve days away for us, but nine days away from football is just real yeah. to me. Um, Twelve days away as I am recovering because I have a wedding the night before. So Sunday's going to be a fun day for me, but um, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But then. Ultimately, what was I going to say? This, this team is just—it's it's basically. I was talking about this before he came on. Pat, this is a team this year that every Sunday it's going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep saying to myself, even if they like have a bad loss, just keep going to yourself. We are not the Arizona Cardinals. We are not the Arizona Cardinals. And for I know we've mentioned them a lot on here, but look, they're they're playing themselves. they are doing it to themselves. So with New England though. It's excitement and there's everything else. And even though you're saying Mapu Mar- um, would have an impact, the one guy I love to have an impact that's a rookie right away, I've been a really big Keon White guy ever since he got drafted. Because I was even saying, too, McGarvin and I spoke about a week ago, he already looks like a man. Right? Like, you know, some rookies like this. Like, he looks like a man. Like, he looks like he's just going to go in there and just, just fuck, fuck shit up. He, he's going to be that kind of player aware. Yeah, he plays angry he plays yeah, angry that's it right yeah. he
2: looks like he just got drafted by the patriots man and he's pissed off out there you know and uh and it's 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 wild i mean it's like it's fun to watch it's fun to see a guy play with that type of edge um and so you know and yeah i'm excited to see to see what he can do too so it's going to be you know, it's going to be interesting. And don't forget now, you know, you talk about the the schedule going back. By. by the way, you mentioned the Pittsburgh game. That's the away game we're going to this year. So I'm excited about that game. Oh, that'll be fun. But, um, but no, I, you know, I look at it and I think, all right, week one is Philly. Sure. Super Bowl team coming off the Super Bowl loss. Wonky things usually happen week one. Week two, you get, you know, Miami, no Jalen Ramsey. Right. So now they don't have their number one corner. I know they still have a good secondary and they still have a good team, but like there are flaws in that team. Week three, you get the Jets. I don't know what the Jets. I mean, no one knows what the Jets are gonna look like. I, I know that they have talent, right? I know that Rogers is there, I know that you know Garrett Wilson's there. I know that they have talent, sure. But nobody knows what it's gonna look like when it gets out there. What happens if they lose their first two games and they're 0 2? And the New York media is crucifying Aaron Rodgers. What's he going to do? Like, how is he going to respond to the teammates? How is he going to respond to the media? What's he going to do? Like, we don't know the answer to that question. And so is there a chance the Patriots start two and one, right? I don't know. Right. But if they do now, all of a sudden we're looking at it saying like, Whoa, okay. This team maybe is pretty good. Right. And now we can move forward. And now the narrative starts to shift on that team. Right. And so, um, you know, they could also start 0-3. Like, I don't know, right? So that th- that's why I think that this year is so interesting because there are so many question marks. What I think they did a good job of this offseason is building up enough depth that we can look at them and say, they're going to be a competitive team. They may not be a great team, but they're going to be a competitive team in all areas, right? On special teams, on offense, and on defense, they're going to be a competitive team. And so when teams do that and they don't make mental errors and beat themselves, they give themselves a chance to be good in any game and to win any game. And if they can continue to do that, and it looks like they're set up to do that, if they can actually do that this year, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun season because, again, you know, they're not going to win the AFC East. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. But like they're going to be a hard out for any team that they play, and that makes watching them a lot more fun.
0: Um, something else I want to – well, two things I want to point out. One, um, how good is Christian Wilkins going to look in the New England Patriots uniform you know, next year?
1: <laughs> Lord um, willing.
0: And the other is um, I didn't realize this until today of how much cap room they have for next year. Obviously, the Caps uh, credit card spending, but I believe they're in the top three, if not in the top two, for cap spending for 2024. So it's just something to keep your because obviously 2021 they were – it was all, like all offseason was Patriots will be back. They have all this cap. It's different when you have a competitive team that's like fringe playoffs or potentially can sneak into a wild card and have all that cap room compared to that seven-win team that's looking to get back into it. If now that right. it's like a fringe team with all that cap room, I also think it's better to uh, go out there and acquire people compared to 2021, which I uh, We can talk about and debate all day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think the uh, amount of cap space is uh, especially um, valuable if this draft class ends up panning out, right? If you if you go in if you're going into the offseason with what is it like you know ninety something million dollars in cap space, but you don't have a glaring need at wide receiver, you don't have a glaring need at corner, you don't have a glaring need on the interior of your ot- offensive line, you can you can get pretty crafty with what you're mm-hmm. going to do with that money, right? You can now like you can now do some more luxury things oh it's we don't game. necessarily need a you know top wide up but we have the money and we can just go ahead and pick one up anyway kind of thing as opposed to having good to God. use all that money to you know fill fill holes right if if you can if this draft class hits right I think they're in a great position but obviously that's an, that's a big if uh, 11 of the 12 draft picks made the opening day roster so we'll see fingers crossed it's a good it's a good sign to begin with
2: yeah well I think that depth that you know uh salary cap that cap space there it is that's what i was looking for that cap space helps them because they have a lot of players that need to get signed they have kyle duggar they have mike Onwenu if they decide to sign him they have you know matt judon they have josh they have the cap space to sign all of those guys and still be able to run the team that they want to run right and, you know, throw some of that money to 2024 and make some of those other years more manageable because they have the cap base in 2024. And so you're able to look at that and say, all right, we can, maybe it's not feasible to sign Boucher and, and Duggar. But maybe they're like, well, we can move some money around here. And so, you know, we can make it work because they still have a little bit of cap space this year too. So you can bump the cap number up a little bit this year and kind of, you know, play with the numbers a little bit. So I hope that that's one of the things that they're going to be doing because Kyle Duggar has to stay here. I think Uche really should stay here because they're both really good players on Wenu. I like a lot. I hope he stays, but he's the guy that I think if I had to pick two guys to sign, I would pick Boucher and Duggar and let on one who walk because I think we have the depth behind them at guard. And it's also guard. I mean, it's important, but it's not as important as, you know, the, the position that Duggar plays, which is safety and corner and linebacker and what Boucher can do getting after the passer.
0: Especially too, if you have to go into free agency and pay a safety, you know, it costs you any less money. So it's like, from that 2020 draft class, I can automatically think like next year. Hey, Kyle Duggar's gonna want his money. Uh, Xavier McKinney's gonna want his money. So it's and those two guys went back to back picks. I remember on draft night, people, Giants fans, being like, "Oh, you guys only took Duggar because you couldn't get McKinney." Well, it's like, joke's on you. Kyle Duggar's a stud. <laughs> Duggar's um, the better player. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But it's, it's a good problem to have on all those assets. The only thing yeah. i look at, more or less, is going into this year, if there's any worry. Like, we harped on the offensive line before. But before you actually came in, and I figure this is a good way, before, like, one of the last topics we can talk about before anything else, is the wide receiver room and how we see it for this year. Obviously, we're talking about Utah, We're talking about Pop Douglas.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Where do you guys, and McGarvin? obviously, since you and I are talking about this, we'll get back to it. But what do you guys think of the wide receiver room and – How do you place each player's potential for 2023?
2: Um, So I think it's good. It's not great. They're not going to be dominant, right? But I think it's good. And I think it's good enough for them to be a competitive team. I think they have enough guys. I think Juju, which... By the way, I don't know where the media guys are coming up with this knee thing, this made-up knee injury. I'm not really sure what his knee's about to explode in the next week. I don't really know where that came from. All of a sudden, his knee's about to explode. I hadn't heard that before Before two days ago. Um, So, you know, I think Juju, though, gives him some explosiveness. He can kind of do what Jacoby Myers did last year. I think Devontae Parker is who Devontae Parker is. I'm excited that Kendrick Bourne, supposedly there were teams reaching out trying to trade for him. The Patriots said, no, we're going to keep him. Thank you very much. I'm happy to see that because that tells me that they're going to actually use him this year. So I'm happy about that. And then, you know, Taekwon, I think is probably going to start the year on the IR, which sucks second year in a row doing that. I don't know if he's ever going to be healthy enough to give them an actual deep threat, but it would be nice if he does. Um, And as far as Booty and Douglas, Douglas does something that, no one else on the team can do. And that's get open quickly in a short area. Um, And that's the type of player that's always done well for the Patriots. And I think he has a chance to do that again here. He's out of the red Jersey. I wouldn't be surprised if he is their opening. I think Juju is going to be their opening slot guy, but I think that pop will kind of be that change of pace slot guy, that Edelman-esque slot guy, as opposed to Jacoby Myers-esque, which is what Juju is. And then Booty's just that guy, I think he probably is the Devonte Parker role more than the um, uh, Kendrick Bourne role, right? I think he's that outside guy, but he's just shown the ability to get consistently open and make and make plays, right? And so I don't know how that translates this year. I'm not expecting huge things out of either rookie. If I had to guess, I would say, Douglas will have more of a statistical impact this year. Um, but I do think there's a chance that both guys make a make an impact on, on the team this year, right? Obviously, they both made the 53-man roster. The Patriots believe that as well. But I think there's a chance that they both do well. But the thing is, is that there's so many guys ahead of them that I don't know if Booty is realistically going to see the field enough without injuries, is going to realistically see the field enough to really make a difference. Whereas I think Douglas will get a few snaps every game just because of what he can do.
1: Yeah. I I like the wide receiver room. Um, Parker I think is criminally underrated in what he can do being that outside jump ball guy. I think that, uh, it's a ball that Mac throws fairly well um, when he's not being you know, panicked into it. It's a ball. He throws fairly well on that outside. We saw him try to hit a few times to Aguilar uh, in 21 and it didn't really work out. So they went out and got someone who can actually go up and get it. Um, and I like what he offers. Um, I don't know that he can be your best receiver, but I think he has a role on the team. Um, I, can't, I think Kendrick Bourne, I, everyone's kind of expecting him to be that, that, you know, that guy, I think though, Tyquan Thornton is an interesting player because he gives you what no one else can in spite of the injuries. I think I'd be more down on Taekwon, um, And I know that uh, a lot of people have been. It's like every time he's mentioned, someone's calling him like a twig man or straw man or stick man or he can't be healthy, mate, Mr. Glass, la blah, blah, blah. Um, But my issue is that when he's on the field, he's doing exactly what the Patriots think he should be doing, which is getting open vertically. We saw it in camp. We saw it last year on, on the all 22, even though the ball never really got to him, whether it was protection issues or, you know, bad passes or whatever the case is, or the bigger issue, him dropping the football, he is getting open vertically and no one else on the offense does that. So I think there's, um, there's a specialized skill set there that you can use. Um, So I think that'll be cool. I think, If he's getting open vertically like no one else can, and Pop is getting open horizontally like no one else can. I think you have like a lot of different combinations. I'm I'm really curious to see how the snaps are divvied up. I think the only player who will be on the field for a majority of the snaps is going to be Devontae Parker, just because the Patriots don't really have anyone else to play that pure X role, that outside go, you know, go go up and get it. Big body kind of guy. I think he will probably see the most consistent amount of snaps, but I think there are so many opportunities for mixing and matching. Like, what does it look like with Juju on the outside, Parker on the other side, and then Pop in the slot? What does it look like with Juju in the slot, Parker on the outside, Booty on the other side, or Taekwon on one side? And You know, like, there's so many different perm- permutations that they can do with the wide receiver room they have. I think it's a room that – and and we've, we've heard it said in – the past with better with a uh, not necessarily better, but with other Patriots teams where they're better than the sum of their parts. I think this is the same kind of wide receiver room. It In, in fact, yeah. it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, weirdly enough, the 2016, you know, room where you're looking at it and on paper, it doesn't look super good. Um, but then you watch the games and you're like, I don't know, these guys are kind of getting it done all the way to a Super Bowl. So like, yeah. I think that's what my expectation is for this, for this, you know, wide receiver room. I think, you know, 450 yards is realistic for Pop Douglas. I think, you know, 300, 350 for uh, for Booty, just because I don't think he'll have the the volume, but I think he'll make... Uh, he'll make the most out of his targets. I think that's the, that those are the kind of realistic numbers. I know that you know people are going to want you know Booty or nah, Pop Douglas to you know come up with 800 yards and like 10 touchdowns, and they expect him to be a monster out of the gate. He's going to be Edelman from day one, um, and I think we'll just kind of pump the brakes because even Edelman wasn't Edelman on day one. Neither was yep. Welker. So kind of give these guys a little time. But I like the makeup of the room. I think it's probably the best room they've had since 20. 20- 16 right like i i know that the 2019 room had for one
2: one game in 2019
1: yeah i think they had bigger (laughs) names but i I don't think those that that room as a collective was that good right you had um obviously antonio when discounting the miami game when they had antonio Brown and everyone kind of looked amazing you you had josh gordon nikhil harry jacoby myers philip dorsett julian edelman that's not a great ride receiver room. like that's just not a great it's not yeah. It's not a great room, but, you know, they were getting it done. I think this might be the best room they've had since then. Uh, not that they're, you know, not that the bar is particularly high. Like, obviously, Pop Douglas is going to be better than Demir Bird, right? Um, yeah. Taekwon Thornton is going to be a better deep threat than Nelson Aguilar and so on and so forth. So it's not a tough bar to clear, but I think this is probably the room that I feel the most comfortable with since 2016.
0: I i I completely agree, and also I'm going to say one thing quickly about 2016, and that's if Hunter Henry or um, Mike Gesicki can be half of what Martellus Bennett was that year. Obviously, I'm not going to say Gronk for obvious reasons. A, because he was hurt, and B, because you're not comparing him to Gronk unless you're Kyle Pitts and you don't put him in your top four. What was um, that? About? I don't know. He put George Kittle, and he put Travis Kelsey, and he put Ozzy Newsome, and I forget. I think it was Shannon Sharp, but he did Shannon not Sharp put with Gronk. the other
1: one. Yeah, that was weird.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was weird. But um. That's my thing. If Henry he can be half of what Marty was, because I always say this that about that 2016 team, that Martell Bennett was one of the more underrated pieces on that team. Remember, he, he almost had the game-winning catch in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I don't think they win the Super Bowl without him that year. I mean, obviously with you know Gronk hurt, but I, I think even before Gronk you know hurt his lung in that Seattle game, he was playing a huge role. Like he he was really good that year. He was.
2: Yeah, he really was. I mean, and that's a guy. And again, like you wonder, does good can Gasecki be that type of guy, right? Comes in, gets a one year deal, you know, it's a prove it type of thing. Finally gets an opportunity in, you know, in an offense, not finally gets an opportunity, but gets another opportunity in an offense looks a little different. And now all of a sudden he becomes the quote unquote second option because Hunter Henry is the number one tight end and Gusecki is the number two tight end. And all of a sudden he starts looking really good and kind of, you know, and then earns himself a contract from there. Um, you know, I, and again, not that he's going to be as good as Marty B was that year, but I think it's not a stretch to say he could he could get something approaching that.
0: That's why I'm saying if he can be half of what Marty was, mm-hmm. I feel like it would be a successful season for either one of them. And the other thing too with Hunter Henry, McGarver, and I pointed this out before, um, that look, he's not going to be used as pass blocking because when uh, or run protection because whenever Hunter Henry gets put into <laughs> blocking schemes, what happens? He's on his ass more times. up. So it's tough. Yeah, it's not good. That's just that's just it. Like, if we can get 2021 Hunter Henry, because Hunter kind of is max security blanket in a way, where, like, the two of them seem to get along yeah. both on and off the field. And plus two, if you give Hunter Henry space, he's going to make plays happen. Like, I look at games like Tampa or even Dallas from 21, which that, when we talk about the Dallas game being winnable, 2021, that's a game they should have won. I always remember that Jones the Bourne play. Like, that's why I think they can go into Dallas and win. Or that's a game they should go into Dallas and try to win.
2: Yeah. That's a tough game. Not going forward at the 50 yard line on fourth and one. Like it's just, that's, you know, and we could second guess it all, you know, but I I do think you're right. Like Dallas is a game. That's the game I have circled for me. That's like, can they, can they actually pull this off? Right. And so i of course we'll have a little bit of a better idea by that point. I think it's, that's what week is that week four or five? Week four. Yeah. Week four. So we'll kind of see what happens the first three weeks. Then you go into Dallas, and if they're two and one, and go into Dallas and win, now all of a sudden you're three and one, and you had this really tough, what looked like on paper this really tough stretch of four games, and you're three and one, and all of a sudden the rest of the is looking around like, oh crap, are the Patriots back? You know what I mean? And 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 now we're on our way. Even if you go two and two, I think you look at that and say, I did, also depends on how you play in those four games. But if you go two and two and play yeah. pretty well in those four games, I still feel good about that moving forward.
0: That, that's exactly. Just be competitive, be in around five hundred. Because obviously, the last two years it's been one and three going into week four, where week four then felt like must wins, which or there were mm-hmm. one and three after week four, excuse me. So one and two after week three. Obviously, the last couple of seasons. So it's pretty much don't be your worst enemy. And I still view the season as Pandora's box in a way where we don't know what to expect, but we can hope for the best.
2: Yeah. Yep. Sure. Read.
0: Anyway, gentlemen, that's going to do it. This was, I'm going to say this right now. We got to do this again. This was a lot of fun, even though it wasn't a short yeah. time frame. We we'll have to get a solid time frame uh, again down the road. But anyway, guys, 12 days away from Patriots football. Can you believe it? Because I don't, I don't think any three of us can. That that counter is almost at single digits, and the football counter is already at single digits with nine days to go before the NFL season gets started. But anyway, guys, for Cryer Media, this has been episode number 241. Can you believe it? Of YWC Football Talk.